This episode has been sponsored by MapHook. and welcome to the gray area where I dispense advice and give interviews on relationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray and this is the 25th episode in a weekly series called The Year of the Rabbit. Last week's episode was a discussion with Jameson from Volition and Daniel from Quantum College. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Wednesday, July 7th, and today I speak with Rabbit, who has a podcast and a blog called The Journal of a Homeless Gamer. Welcome to the show. Before we get started, let's do News of the Week. News of the Week this week, the World of Warcraft patch 4.2 The Firelands was released last week, but I didn't get a chance to cover that, so let's do it now. It has tons of new content, a new area to explore, a new dungeon, and much faction to be gained, as well as many more quests for the people who are currently bored. So check that out, and it looks pretty good. The Earth Defense Force Insect Armageddon comes out for PS3, DS, and Xbox today. And the iCade is now available for the iPad. What's that, you ask? Well, it's hardware for your iPad that turns it into an old-fashioned arcade machine, complete with joystick and it can be used with Atari's Classic Games app. It's pretty awesome looking actually, but for 100 bucks you better be pretty diehard about arcade games. However, I like this idea because it means people are beginning to think of the iPad in new ways and to maybe add some useful hardware as well, which would be good. Valve recently held a summer contest to design new level maps for Portal 2, which will be released to the public. The contest is now over, so look for the winning level, which is called to patent pending, and download that for free with the runner-ups as well. On a side note, Jace was the winner of my MapHook contest a few weeks ago and has not been able to be contacted either by me or MapHook. So if you hear this Jace, please contact me at genesegray at yahoo.com or MapHook so we don't give your prize away. Uh, now, Rabbit, it's your turn. What's your news of the week? It's Batman Arkham Asylum. I'm Batman. It's been like forever since since you know I had a gaming system. I've been homeless like three plus years. So you know it came out and then it you know dropped down in price and dropped down in price. Now uh, Arkham City, I think it is, is, is coming out. It's soon ish. I don't know exactly when. So it's like okay, I better pick it up and get caught up. Okay, you're afraid it'll disappear and not be purchasable anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it it was like. I don't know, you know, it goes down in price, and then it got down to 20 for, I don't know, like six plus months, and then it went down to 15 for a long time, and now I got it at like 13.50, and I'm like, they're probably going to keep it until after Arkham City launches and then stop it, so I, I didn't want to miss it. That makes a lot and of that, sense. And I was kind of, yeah, I was kind of sad, though, because I really wanted to save it for, and I'll talk about this a lot more on my podcast. It goes ramble for like 10 minutes about it. But I really wanted to keep it for when I got back into a home. 
because it was one of the first games they tweaked for triple monitors. So I don't I don't have that yet. You know, my system is like six years old, anyways. But I have the five point one surround, so it would have been nice to play on triple monitor with you know proper surround sound. And I was gonna be like, okay, welcome back home. Here's an awesome game to play that you've been wanting to play forever. But you know, I got I got afraid that it's gonna disappear from the market, and I would miss it entirely. So you know, I didn't I didn't want to miss that. So I guess you could always keep it and just have iron self-control and keep it in your bag and never touch it yeah but see part of that is the realization that it has been three plus years and it's like you know as sad as it sounds and as much as i don't want to say it this could be you know the rest of my life it, it hopefully won't be but you know if this is it and this is all i have for the rest of my life uh, you know it's not going to get any better so well, you don't want to miss mm. out on what you can have now i guess yeah yeah okay I've been playing Team Fortress 2, which went free to play on Steam recently. Um, not really. Like oh, a, yeah, I, I'm not really a first-person shooter person, but this is pretty fun. Um, you can bring your own people in if you have a group, and then other people join you, and you can voice chat. It gets kind of nasty, like you know. <laughs> Especially me. I, mean, I, I kind of suck. I'm at it. 12 and I'm playing the game and I'm shooting you and I'm killing you. Oh, it's a girl. Oh my god. Medic, <laughs> medic, get your butt over here, medic. Like, okay. Told her where I'm going. Are you really a girl? You sound like a girl. You're really a girl? <laughs> I'm 12. <laughs> I have to say, I, I wasn't awesome at it, but I was playing with the geek pits and I was still better than they were, so I felt okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Also, the Elder Scrolls of Oblivion, I'm playing that right now, kind of trying to get ready for Skyrim, which looked like a really amazing game at E3, so I wanted to catch up on all the previous games that I hadn't played from that series. Wait, you're doing older games than me. Yeah, it, it's kind of, it reminds me of like an original Witcher, if you played that game. It, it's, you know, pretty classic. No. It's kind of, you wander I did, around. I did play Oblivion. Oh, you did? And yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's well that was you know years ago yes. before I was homeless, <laughs> and <laughs> wow. it, it's kind of funny because because I took some some screenshots of it, and every now and then I'll look at my stats and look at what pages are getting hit, you know what of the older stuff is getting hit, and every now and then it'll pop up that the screenshots from Oblivion are some of the pages that are still getting hit now years later. It's like wow, that's that's kind of crazy. It does seem to have a pretty long shelf life. I mean, I, I was enjoying the play. I'm only maybe an hour or two into it, but it seems like a game that has a lot of expansions, let's just say that, and could go on for quite a while. So let's ask the obvious question. How did you get the name Rabbit? Um, that's actually not so obvious, I would think. Um, it's actually gone through, like, two other names on the boards. Um, Rabbit, I, I just picked for myself because, I don't know, there's... I explained it on my bio page that, you know, the obvious connections to rabbit icons, you know, over the years, you know, certain cartoon rabbits, certain, you know, uh, icons of rabbits, you know, we, we all have sort of a mental image of what a rabbit is, you know, a uh, certain uh, rabbit who is obsessive compulsive, and, um, you know, I'm kind of all of these things, so I thought, you know, this fits, this works well, I'll use this as my, my gamer thing, and I, I checked the web, and there didn't seem to be really any any big hits on uh, you know the search engines that said bam here's this guy named rabbit already using it mm -hmm. so i thought well okay I'll, I'll check out the domain see if the domain's free and the domain was free so i am you know the official rabbit as it were mm. um, you can battle it out with m&m <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Well, there's actually uh, like if you if you type in rabbit in into your favorite search engine, whatever that may be, there pretty much be three top rabbits, and um, I'll dominate like the first page because it seems to come up on like every single page that I that I have. I don't know why. I I don't do it on purpose, but you know I'll dominate that first page, and then you you go a couple pages back, and you'll find somebody named like White Rabbit. And there's another kind of rabbit. I think it's like Doctor Rabbit or something. Okay. And but the, but they're all people that haven't been active in years. So for some reason, uh, the other rabbits. I know there's other rabbits out there. They they don't show up all that much. I mean, they don't use it as like a forum name or a you know a, a very claimed mm-hmm. gamer tag. I mean, I, I've seen other rabbits. You know, in like shooter games or something. They'll they'll pop up. Oh, I'm rabbit. What's up? I'm rabbit too. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It, it seemed like it was uh, feasible because a lot of times in games, you know, you pick something that's a common thing like that and, like, you know, everybody and their mother's using it, so you have to come up with uh, a couple of different twists on it. Right, icons so that no I thought about, ever seen before. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like I'll sometimes use Ghost Rabbit. If Rabbit is taken, I'll, I'll use that one. Okay. So, you know, usually you have to modify something, but uh, it seemed okay to use, so I'm using it. I think gaming has resurrected the Spanish tilde, which never saw use until suddenly everyone had to use the name, like, Death Awesomeness, and had to put in, <laughs> you know, an, an icon in there to make it different than all the other Death Awesomenesses. Okay, let's kind of get into this. Um were you a gamer when you were younger and, and had a stable place to stay, or what was the beginning of your game? Oh, yeah. Well, I've only, I've only been homeless, well, this time I've only been homeless uh, uh, three years now. What? And this I am, time? <laughs> I am too old. Did you yeah. fall off the wagon? This is, actually, this is actually, like, I think the third time I've been homeless. The first time was when I was uh, a late teenager. I didn't get along with my dad, and my mom died when I was 13, so... Around 16 or 17-ish, I, I left home and I was staying with a girlfriend and, and then, you know, we broke up and so I was homeless for, I don't know, three or six months then. And then when I got divorced and sold my house, um, I had money, but there wasn't anywhere for me to go. So technically I was I was homeless, but I had money to not be homeless. But it was it was in the middle of the housing crunch around 2000. I don't know if that happened, you know, countrywide. It happened around here. But it's like all of the rooms for rent were like either too expensive or there were, you know, like 50 people looking. So the people already living there got to whoever they wanted and they didn't pick me. So I was homeless then. What do you do with all your stuff in a situation like that? I mean, I assume you're leaving a house. You probably have rooms full of, you know, couches and things. Oh. Well, no, actually, actually, I don't. It's kind of the weird thing. I kind of, I'm kind of always been a Spartan, and uh, just had like, I have like my bed, and then, you know, I want to say stuff, but everyone will go, oh, what stuff? And you know, everyone will think of different stuff. Um, let me try and classify it. I have my movies, and then uh, some games I made when I was younger because I, I designed some systems, and then um, let's see what else. Um, what I have of my system, um, speakers, receiver, a couple consoles, and that's, that's really about it. Uh, oh, there's like a small desk for the computer, but that's really it. I mean, you would think that I'd have like way more stuff, but 
I don't. I've never been a guy that has a lot of stuff, and so um, that's just all still in storage at the house I, I used to live at because that was um, an ex of mine and her boyfriend, and I, I kind of think that her boyfriend was the one that pushed me out. So they're, they're kind of holding it in the garage for me, and they know that I, I can't really afford to put it in storage. Um, the other times I, I did put it in storage, and that's, you know, around here, that's like 100 bucks a month, so pretty expensive. But uh, yeah, currently they're holding it for me, and uh, yeah, that's a, a resource I'll be I'll re- really sad about if uh, if they someday say we're not going to keep it for, for you anymore. Because you know, like I said, it, it's money I don't have to spend to uh, put in storage. So I don't know what I would do if I if I had to sell it or whatever. Well, hopefully that won't happen. It doesn't sound like you have a whole lot of boxes there to worry about. So it's probably not taking up too much space. I'd hope. No, I, I think if you were to measure it, it would probably be, I see it's taller than me, so like nine feet high by maybe six feet across and three feet deepish. Man, that's unusual. So, I can accumulate rooms full of just crap so easily. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically like a regular home's big closet is what it is, not counting, you know, the, the mattress for the bed. And that was the last time, um, the divorce situation was the last time, and that's where you are currently, or was that? Oh, no, that was, that was like, um, 98, so that was a while ago. Okay. But that was, that was, that was the, the last time I was homeless before this time. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that time I could afford to put it into a storage unit, because, you know, I had the money from selling the house, which was a fair amount, and that's, that's what I used to go to college on, but like I said, you know, it was tough finding a, a place to stay there immediately so mm-hmm. I was kind of hotel surfing I guess you did say you're going to school now um, I, I know you're in California somewhere what, what are you studying what's your major um, I, I currently technically am still in child development I have you know like I said after I got divorced I went to college so I got an associates and bachelor's in psychology and I'm kind of right between psychology and sociology so I went for the sociology masters and they decided to kick me out with a 2.9875 GPA because it wasn't higher than 3.0 anyways that's a whole other story but um so I went into child development because I figured it was the next closest thing to teaching which was what I wanted to do with the uh the master's degree um so I thought that might be able to get me sort of a foot in the door it hasn't really helped though so it's been, uh, you know, I, I guess I guess three years I've been working on it, part time. So I I'll have to check if I actually have anything. You like know, elementary school or what? Device. What grades? Yeah, well, well, originally it was going to be like junior high school, but then as time has gone on, it's probably toned down in grades, probably towards more like middle school, because I I like like explaining stuff and and teaching people something. Which is probably you know part of why I hang out on the board so much, but um, I had I had a class that required like twelve hours of community service, and I went and did a a teacher aide position for uh, I guess it was whatever the last grade is eighth grade of uh, middle school, mm-hmm. and it's like I actually really like the kids, you know that I liked uh, you know it wasn't it wasn't great curriculum because I mean it was you know the force fed curriculum that you're kind of you know the the school system says you will teach like this which is you know I didn't want to do that that's why I wanted to do you know junior college or something 
I actually liked it uh, more than I thought I would. So I thought I would be okay with like middle school or high school or something. So I don't know. I, I thought I could get into um, teaching through uh, uh, child development, maybe get me some kind of position with kids. And then, you know, from there say, hey, school, I have I have a bachelor's. I have a, you know, this other degree in child development. Let me teach. And here in California, we have this, this CBEST, which I don't exactly remember what it stands for. It's like California something I don't, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know because I don't remember. But it, it says that this person is okay for teaching as a substitute. So technically, I could be a substitute teacher already. Okay. But I, I don't have the experience to back it. So it's like you know, nobody wants to touch me. So I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, well, n- none of this stuff has actually helped me get to a teaching degree. Maybe I should just redirect. And so now I'm, I'm thinking about maybe um, you know for next semester in September, I'll take a look and uh, see if maybe there's something in computers because if it's not going to help me at all, you know, in terms of job-wise, maybe I'll just, you know, go for something ridiculously long like, you know, network admin or something and and just take a few classes and if something comes of it, something comes of it. So I don't know. Okay. There's more I could ask you about that, but I want to go back because I've kind of taken us on a side path here about the <laughs> gaming that you did when you were younger and were in your stable home. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, we totally forgot about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Back um, to the gaming. The year was 1912. <laughs> um, I actually, I actually am one of the the people in the generation that can actually claim we grew up with gaming, in the sense that um, I think I was around eight when the the um, the first Atari came out. Okay. So my first computer uh, was an Atari 800. And uh, it was pimped out. It had the tape drive. And <laughs> it had, I had basic so, so I could mess around with basic. And my first uh, official uh, computer upgrade, if you want to count it, is uh, you slapped in a couple of 16K RAM cards in there. Bam! You were pimped out with like 32K of memory. Whoa! It's like a whole floppy disk. Oh, my God. Right. So, yeah, I grew up, I grew up with console gaming. Um, arcade gaming. I still remember seeing Pong when it was new and going, "Whoa, what is this? This is cool!" And then Space War just blew it away. Um, but yeah, I grew up with arcade gaming and uh, and um, console gaming. And I think it was like a year or two later. Oh, maybe it was maybe it was longer than that. I was in like eighth eighth grade, seventh grade. Somebody got me into Dungeons and Dragons, so I got into. Um, I think it it wasn't first edition, but I think it was second edition, because I got blue box, and so um you know then I then I was doing you know arcade gaming and you know console gaming, and then I got into the the pen and paper gaming a little bit. So I, I you know grew up with it all. So yeah, always been a gamer as long as it's, it's you know existed. <laughs> I was around a few years before gaming. Oh my god, so old. <laughs> <laughs> now now. Um. In my personal situation, I was briefly homeless. I don't know if it counts as homeless because I was sleeping on other people's couches and never had to do the whole outside, find a place to sleep thing. Um, I left a bad domestic situation. I had to leave really quick and stayed with some acquaintances kind of on their couch while I was madly searching for a job and a place to stay and stuff like that. And I kind of remember it being, I guess maybe because for me I was leaving something bad that it was sort of, 
this world of exciting possibilities and options, and it, it sort of had this positive feel to me because I was going towards something, I guess, good, and had this kind of sense of freedom about it. Um, I don't know how it feels for you being here, I guess you're saying three years now, but I remember the sense that your priorities really change when you're in that situation, and the things that you considered important before, you're kind of down to the more basic senses of importance. I mean, going like, I think I went a winter, well, half a winter once without any hot water, like that sort of thing kind of, <laughs> when you're worried about showering oh. and washing washing your clothes <laughs> without hot water, and then the fact that your pants can yeah. chafe you when you put them on, I mean, stuff like that yeah, kind of makes a basic change in how you view things. And I'm interested in the fact that you, you still use gaming or you still um, are a gamer at this point when I'm sure there are things that you're down to the base level with as well. So what is it about the gaming and the online world that kind of holds an appeal for you that you feel like it's it makes that list? Well, I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of weird in that gaming is really the only big hobby I have. I mean, I, mean, I have my movies that I collect. I, I don't say I have you know, a ton of them. I have a couple boxes of them, which is, I guess, a lot more than, than some people. But Outside of that, gaming is it. I don't. I don't go on vacations. Even when I, I had money to consider it, I, I've never been somebody that goes. Oh, I want to go to France. I want to go to Germany. You know, I, I don't care really about that. You know, I want to go to Mars. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> gaming. Gaming has always been uh, my thing that I that I put all of my, I guess, hobby money into. That that you can say, and, and it's like there's other things too that people normally do a lot of that I don't do. Like you know, now I have to eat out a lot, quote unquote. But when uh, when I was in a home, I I never ate out, so I didn't I didn't spend any money on that. It just all went to gaming. So I guess I guess it's just you know a part of me that's always been there. I I suppose in some way, um, I I suppose you could say that it's always been there for me. It's been Probably speaking from you know the psychologist side of things, it's it's probably been the one stable thing that's always been there in my life. That's uh, you know always there for me. You know if I wanna if I wanna escape and have fun, I can I can do my gaming or you know like I said, my mom died, so I didn't have that, but gaming is still there. And I didn't get along with my head, but I still had gaming. And you know it's like no matter where I went in my life, uh, you know in terms of physical moving or relationships. Gaming was always something that was there, and it was stable, and it was always, I suppose, again, you know, from a psychologist's perspective, it, it was the one thing that, that I could always count on that would evolve at a certain pace with, uh, you know, somewhat predictable results as opposed to my life, which was various degrees of chaos the whole time, I guess. So, Do you have so, a lot of friends yeah. that you meet when you play? Um, I don't know. It, my life is kind of weird in that I'm friendly to everybody. The the guild I'm in now, I, I have friends, and they're like the first guild. Well, I, I've only really been in one other guild, technically. Um, I don't know why. I just never really joined guilds and games. But anyways, th this guild is like the first one that I feel like I kind of do have real friends, per se. And the guild that I was in before that, it's like they were friendly, mm -hmm. but I, I don't know if I would say that they were friends because you know people on the street are friendly to me people people around campus here are friendly to me I'm in this little tiny room and someone actually just peeked in the window there a little while ago so you know that seemed kind of friendly she didn't bug me she knew I was talking and um 
I don't know, but you know, the guild before it's like none of them have really said anything to me since I've been gone. I've been gone like a year now. And it's like they had a website, and I was following the website, and I was posting stuff. You know, I'm still homeless. Uh, you know, update. It's been like I'm. I might be able to get a laptop soon, or you know, hey, I'm starting a podcast. They never. They never said anything back. So, I. I, I don't think they were particularly friendly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I. I have some people in the guild now, and there was um, one who left the guild recently, and so now I added him on Facebook, and then there's a couple other people in the guild who've who've added on Facebook. So yeah, I, I, I guess you could say I have I have friends now in the guild and um I, I suppose it's it's an evolution that, that has definitely happened in the world, I guess you could say. That um a lot of friendships are moving online and, and I know you've talked about it on your your podcast about your, your friends with Geek Bits and other friends that you that you chat with uh outside of the games and um that's something that that just didn't exist back in the day. I mean, back in the day when I was when I was your age, <laughs> and, and a friend, a friend moved away or out of town or whatever. That was pretty much it because you you couldn't afford long distance phone calls, and you know if if you couldn't drive or they they moved more than you know an hour away, you you just never saw them again pretty much because you know nobody does letters even back in the day. Nobody did letters because. By the time you send a letter and you get something back, you know, it's been like a week, two weeks. Their whole life has changed. So yeah. now, you know, we got the internets and we got, you know, Facebook and other social networking sites and, you know, vent programs and, you know, talking. So people are connected like all the time now. So I think that, that there's a really solid connection between people uh, through uh, virtual method. So. So yeah, I, I have some friends now, I suppose you could say, that are online friends. But you know, still, that's it's a huge, hugely different dynamic than than people that are you know actual real life friends that you can play console with and you know play practical jokes on or you know whatever it is you do with your friends. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I don't know. I think with letters, there's this sense that if you're going to write it and send it, it has to be hugely important and. You know, there wasn't, like, the, the letter equivalent of Twitter where you just want to write, like, I'm having a ham sandwich today, and it's really awesome. Yeah. I mean... I, I don't get Twitter. I really don't get Twitter. <laughs> I mean, it's like, if I was saying, oh, I'm having this interview with Janice, and we're laughing so hard, she's, like, probably falling off her chair. You know, that that could be cool, but it's like, I got pizza for lunch. I got a poop. <laughs> no, big deal. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what you're doing. I got off... I got off the bus, so, you know, I got in my car. Who cares? <laughs> People have a sense of voyeurism, I think. I mean, which you can tell by all these reality shows and everything else. I mean, we just want to sit there and observe other people's minutiae, and Twitter is the ultimate way of doing that without actually having to sit down some, and do it. Some reality shows are awesome, though, but I don't know. I think with Twitter, it's, it's more of a, I don't know, I, I would guess a personal ego thing. But haha, my poop is so important. Everybody has to hear about it. Very I am true. going poop. So there, the you are followers that I have care about that. At school, with the people that you know that are in classes and stuff like that, do you find that you end up hanging out with people and having kind of the typical college experience? I'm guessing. No, see, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, there's there's a few people that are friendly um, when we're in class. Like I said, you know, that that's kind of the difference of what I call between friendly and friends mm-hmm. because there really isn't 
anybody I've hung out with. I mean, there was this one really beautiful redhead, and um, she had a boyfriend. But you know, we hung out a couple of times after class. We had we had dinner and we had um, ice cream, I think, once. And I thought, you know, maybe maybe they could be friends. Maybe they they could hang out with me, and uh, well, you know, me hang out with them more more likely. But uh, you know, we could hang out and uh, be friends, and maybe I could get back into some circle of friends. But I don't know. They they never called me or. or I never seen him again since that uh, that semester. Like I don't know. I guess it's probably a year, year and a half ago now. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, people are friendly, but they are not uh, not friends. There there have been no development of friendships since then. I don't know. I am a bit older, and uh, I think that's that's probably part of it. I don't know. I, I look like fifteen years younger than I actually am, so they probably don't. No, for the most part, but I don't know. I just, I just haven't gotten in any extend extensions of friendship, uh, in invitations to friendship. So I, I don't know. Do you think it's the homeless thing? Because as Seward feels like, I mean, at least for me, when I was there, it sort of felt like the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about because they don't want to be disrespectful, but they also don't want to just ignore it because then they feel like that's also not. Um, nice as well and it just makes people feel awkward I think um, do people uh, even know that or do you think it's it's just not a factor um, some of them do but the vast majority of people don't actually know that I'm homeless it's not like I I keep it a secret but it's like I, I still shower every couple of days and my hair is like an eighth of an inch long so you know so you're like I'm, every I'm other 18 year old boy so never mind. <laughs> no, because I do know how to pull up my pants. Okay. So there you go. I don't know. Is, is that happening in your area? Yes. I don't know. Yes. Okay. If you see, have to waddle that. because your pants are so far down and you can see your yeah. boxers, then I don't think that's healthy. See, I got the thing about putting it like, what is it, maybe two inches off of your underwear because then, you know, people. Who could see your underwear if you're into labels or whatever? It's like, oh, you have such and such label. That's so cool. You know, that I could kind of get. But hanging it over the bottom of your buttocks, it's like, <laughs> did, did you just come out of the bathroom and you, you forgot to pull your pants up? And girls would not find that attractive. Girls would be like, I want a guy that can pick up their pants. I, I don't know. Is it just me? I don't know. I don't understand the trend myself. Right. So. so. <laughs> Back. To the homeless part. <laughs> <laughs> to the homeless part, or not homeless part in in this particular question, right. because because people people don't know they have they have no idea they would never guess that. Um, I just look like a, a regular student guy with a, you know a ginormous backpack because you know my my system is like it's like huge it's like seventeen inches and it weighs like you know eleven billion pounds, so I had to get this especially huge backpack to carry it in. So aside from that. I look pretty much like every other guy around here, especially since so much of this population is, is Asian mixed. You know, I'm technically half Asian, so. <laughs> what? This makes you angry? I was rambling. I was rambling. I was rambling. Yes. You were telling me you were half Asian and this made you angry and I don't, I don't know. No, what it's like Spock. I, you know, it's like my half side. I don't like that half side. So. It's not bad, you know. It's it's why I look like 15 years younger than I actually am. So I'm happy about that, and I'm I'm not terribly fat, so that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Anyways, um, that was just a total side point. I I don't even know why I brought it up, but 
I, I blend in. I blend in. I look like everybody else, uh, you know, in terms of, and even even a lot of kids here sleep in their car. So <laughs> even uh. that does not look totally out of place. Uh, do you want to ask those questions like like how do you charge your laptop if you don't have a house with a plug? Well, you don't you don't use it when you don't when you don't have it. Uh, but you know, I, I work in school charges it all the time, and. Um, Back in the day, when when I had you know, I say back in the day like it's a long time. It was four months ago. I, I had uh, my netbook and I was on my laptop. It was actually a lot better because that would go um, five hours easily before it would run out of power. So, you know, when I when I'm hiding at night and I don't have power, it was not a big deal to to use it. Although you can't you can't really get very many places that have a signal and don't have power. So they're they're kind of bound sure. together. So, so even if you had it, it's not like you're going to be doing your homework in a dark parking lot somewhere. So, so um. Do you yeah. usually sleep in your car? Or do you have a place? I mean, I think uh, it would be hot in there. Uh, well, around here, you know, I live in the Bay Area, California, which is pretty much uh, required by state law to always be seventy-five degrees ish. So oh, lovely it's, for uh, you. It's not. Uh, it's not bad. Uh, lately, it's getting it's getting really hot. It's weird because it's like it's like ninety plus the last couple of days. I don't know what it is outside right now, but last week, uh, in the middle of that, there was one day and it just poured cold rain. It's like, what is going on? It's the apocalypse. What's going on? So that was weird. But now, yeah, it's like ninety. It's it's good, you know. Um, it's better when it's it's hot because then you can you can hide your blankets and stuff and you don't really need as many, you know. You, it's winter time and you got you you know a bunch of blankets in your carts. It's a bit more obvious that uh, something's up there. Yeah. So, well, I didn't think about winter, but considering that it's California, I, I didn't assume it'd be so awful. Yeah. Well, you know that the the state law requires seventy seventy five degrees all the time. It it actually doesn't get too bad. It gets like I think the worst is around thirty. Which is, you know, pretty dang cold, but yes. it probably it probably averages around, I guess, like forty-ish in the winter, usually. So it's it's cold, but you know, tolerable. You said you play sometimes from work. Are they cool with you, like carrying around electronics and just having your headset on and stuff like that? Um, they don't even really know. Um, my job is actually awesome in that. Um, Basically, what I do is I go to a gym, which is not, you know, workout gym. It's a basketball gym. I unlock the doors. I effectively sit on my butt for five hours. I relock the doors and then leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is my job. So, um, people pretty much do whatever. Um, back in the day, you know, again, I say back in the day like it's a long time ago. It's a four months ago. Um, I used to watch movies on my netbook, and my netbook, I. I didn't have that my whole time of homelessness. The the first like year and a quarter, I think I had absolutely nothing. So those times was really really boring because then it's you know five hours of watching people play ba- guys play basketball, and I'm not into sports, so it's like, well, this is exciting. But uh, after that, yeah, I had my netbook and I could do you know homework or you know write papers if I had papers to do, or I could uh, you know watch movies. I rented a lot of movies back in the day. So yeah, I mean, they, they, it's you know, I'm I'm the gamer guy. Um, when I have a signal, it's free city uh, Wi-Fi, so it's not always reliable. Like today, it was um, 
I think it took like 30 seconds just to get Facebook. So I wasn't even going to try and do anything else. It's like, okay, forget it. You're in a bad mood. I'm not talking to you today. So, um, yeah, you know, when you can, I'll play. Um, but Did you say you had free citywide Wi-Fi? Uh, yeah, that's that's oh. pretty it's pretty recent and it's kind of spotty at best. Um, oh my gosh, there's one Barnes and Noble within like 50 miles, and you could camp out there if you wanted Wi-Fi, but otherwise you're pretty much stuck. I remember you saying a couple of, a couple of podcasts ago that you have to drive like three hours to get to Civilization or something, right? So yeah, it's kind of far. I'm I'm in the middle of what's well, not really the middle. I suppose it's probably the bottom third of the uh, the Bay Area. You know, the Silicon Valley. So, you know, pretty much everywhere around here has Wi-Fi. Um, it only just recently hit really big. Um, last year uh, in the summer, I was paying like 20 bucks a month to AT&T to be able to use the Wi-Fi at, uh, you know, their wireless points. They have, you know, coffee shops and stuff that use them. Mm-hmm. And now, now it's free. Um, otherwise, you only get two hours. So I was like, let's see, two hours... Or pay them twenty bucks. Two hours, twenty bucks. So I did that for a few months, because um, you know that was when when school was closed, so I couldn't just come over to school and hang out. And I, you know, obviously, school has it. Um, pretty much, pretty much, a lot of places here do. There are there are a lot of areas that you can't get it because, like I said, you can't go too far from power and still get a signal. Like I think the furthest I can get is there was one church I used. Uh, back last summerish um and it was you know it's outside in the parking lot and i could still see the signal but most of the time you can't go more than about 20 or 30 feet from said wireless point before you you lose the signal so even though it's everywhere it's uh sometimes questionable <laughs> as to the quality okay well i'm sure they'll improve that now that they at least have it in place that's nice I found myself in a moral quandary the other week because, I don't know if I've said this before, but Barnes & Noble has a policy where if you go there and you use their Wi-Fi and you're on like a Nook or something, and I have that program as an app, you can have two hours free to read any book you want. And because I read pretty fast, I could get through a book in two hours, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I could go back every day and read the entire catalog of all the books in Barnes & Noble and not pay anything. If I wanted to, it was really tempting. Well, in in theory, books are you know the the print industry as a whole is a dying industry because you know everything has to be electronic before it goes into physical publication. So, you know, there's really kind of rapidly approaching this point of why bother having printed media except for you know that very small portion of the population that's collectors that want to have that library, that, that physical library. I mean, I'm kind of old school like that in that I like having the game boxes, and mm. I'll, I'll put the game boxes on the shelf. So I'm kind of old school in that way, you know, in the in the gaming version of it. Um, there's also reasons I don't like digital distribution just in general because they like to charge as much money for digital copy as, you know, physical copy, which is stupid. But that's a whole other argument. But... um the the print industry is kind of going away uh in general so i expect uh you know even if you couldn't do that you would probably be the kind of person that just borrows a book from somebody or goes to the library and either way they're not making any money off you so you know Except they may as well let you 
<laughs> they may as well let you just sit there and have a coffee or whatever and, and maybe some other book person will come by in and see, oh, you're reading this. You should try reading this. And then you have to buy that one too. So, you know, if you're at home, you're not necessarily going to have that happen. So That's true. I, I, I do think it's really sad because in some ways I really like the printed book. I mean, there's a certain feel to it, a certain smell to the pages and things that you're not going to get. And I really struggled with buying a Nook or using an app um, for the Nook because I thought I'm contributing to the the downfall of all printed media, but I think there'll be place a place for both of them, I hope. And the same way with games. I mean, I know several people that refuse to get uh, digitally downloaded games because they want to have that CD and they want, just in case, they should lose it and then they won't be able to get a second copy or they don't trust Steam in some way, I don't well, know. Well, see, see I'm, I'm kind of weird in that I'm all for digital distribution in terms of the idea behind it, I like I like the fact that if you 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 know change systems or or whatever, you can just download a new copy and off you go. But what I don't like is again, you know, that they charge you the same amount of money as retail price. Mm-hmm. Whereas like you know, a, a game box came out, you know, before digital distribution, it'd be fifty bucks, you know, brand new, and then three months later, it would pretty much you know be half off that price. But with digital distribution, they they drop it out at you know the same the same price as retail, but they can keep it really high because there's not that physical copy on the shelf eating up space that another game could be eating up space for. It's 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 on their hard drive. They can keep it at a high price and go ha ha ha. You're gonna still pay this because if you want to pay it, this is the only way you can get it. So I don't like that aspect of it because corporations are being stupid and greedy. And if they weren't so stupid and greedy, I would be. 100% behind it. Like if if the physical box came out and it was say a 55 bucks or you could get the retail copy, you know, on launch day, I mean the uh, digital copy on launch day for 10 bucks less. Awesome. You know, mm-hmm. I would I would go digital and then, you know, as the box the physical box came down to 20 bucks, you know, the digital also dropped to 20, I would be all for that. But they're they're tending to keep it at a higher price for longer. And that's what I don't agree about with digital distribution. Not the idea of it, just their their impl- Im- implementation of uh, greediness around it. So I can see that. I've noticed that with music as well. I mean, it used to be ninety nine cents for something that was on the top ten, and now it's like a dollar ninety nine. And I, you know, as as people have said before, there's something about apps or you know, digital media that you're just like, you need to go out and drop $10 on a shirt, $15, no problem. But you're like, I am not paying $1.99 for that song. You know, <laughs> it becomes like very important, that 50 cents or that 99 yeah, cents. Yeah. And I just get very annoyed with iTunes about that and just refuse to, to pay the extra 99 cents for that song. They're actually kind of doing something annoying at the the movie rental box. I, w- I won't mention which uh, company oh, yes. this is, but but uh, the, you know the big box at the the food store you go to. Could it's be blue, uh, you could know be red, it's, could uh, be yellow. yeah yeah, but um, they used to all be a dollar, and recently I I I'm tempted to say around the last four months they introduced this new policy of I think it's something like the hot hot list or something. It's basically any movie that's a new release that is popular. It gets this flag, and then instead of being one dollar, it's suddenly three fifty or four dollars while it's while it's still hot. It's like, what the crap? Just because more people want to rent it, you're gonna charge them 
way more. That makes no sense, you know. So that's kind of upsetting. Greed again. Let's get ready for questions. Let's move on to a listener question. I understand recently you've been in a tournament for Guild Wars 2. Is this so? I no, hope. no. I, um, I really hope. <laughs> no, no, that would be awesome. What no, were you it's in? StarCraft 2, and then I'm still, I guess I guess it's like the placement rounds, and I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't have, shouldn't have joined. It was free, though. I mean, you know, not the game, but uh, the tournament is free. So, uh, yeah, StarCraft 2. StarCraft 2, okay. I, I talk about Guild Wars 2 a lot, so maybe they, maybe, maybe you, you, you Chris, anyway. crisscross two questions into one. I may maybe have. that's what you happen. Well, let me ask <laughs> it and see if you can help this person anyway, because I've not played either one, so I don't know. King Bob asks this question, let's see. He says, I recently tried making the transition from Terran to Protos, but got totally destroyed. I cannot counter uh, basic rushed uh, strategies with the same ease that I could do with Terrans. Maybe it's because yeah. I go for higher tier units too early. But never mind that. The most annoying thing I have to say is the last few games I've been getting MMM rushes. Don't know what that means. I can sometimes <laughs> stop them, but quite often they overrun me. I really dislike early rushes because I feel that if they do not work, then your macro will be behind for the rest of the game, so I never really try them. I like to put out two siege tanks to defend the choke point, and then I go for an early push. Do you know about this? <laughs> I was reading this to you and you're laughing. <laughs> um, sort of, sort of. <laughs> sort well, of? The, the, problem, the problem is that, well, for one thing, I play random. Okay. So I'm moderately good at all three races. But the other thing is, Protoss are really, I guess the, the technical term is a late game race. They don't build up quickly, so they're extra vulnerable to fast rushes. They do have their own kind of rush, though. If you go and you build a pylon, because you can build a pylon anywhere, you can effectively build anything you want right right away. Um, I was actually playing a... A actual master ranked guy, and and this is in my placement game. So I'm like, what the crap are they putting me against this master world ranked guy for? And he was playing, he was playing Protoss, and um, what he did was he he snuck into like the side of my base where I couldn't see because I I didn't have any patrolling patrolling units. Um, so he kind of snuck into like one of the corners, and he dropped down a pylon. And after you drop down a pylon, you can build whatever you want. And I guess, I guess one of the protos things is they can send units to there. So basically, what he did is he snuck in behind me, and then he pinned me down by poof. There's 20 units. Oh, oh what the crap! So, oh. so protos can rush, but it's it's not like Zerg and Terran where you can make a bunch of peon units really quickly because their units are are more expensive and take um, what well, the. The little little foot soldier guys aren't too bad because they're just they're just basically money, but um, their other units get expensive really fast. So if you can survive long enough, then they get really powerful because you can build you know the heavier units and and they have lots of advantages with with higher level tech. Um, but yeah, the problem is that that they are like extra vulnerable to rush because they build up slowly. So that's one thing I really hated about beta, and one thing I'm regretting about the tournament is that if 
if you're not on a map that sort of blocks a few of the rush strategies, you're kind of screwed. And I mean, even if you are, there's there's units that can get around it. I mean, there's it's basically that the anti-rush maps have like landlocked areas, but like Protoss have guys that can teleport and they can walk over the hills, and Terrans have little guys that hop, and uh, Zerg. I'm not sure. I, I guess Zerg can just get airlifted in, which is what happened to me in another one of my placement matches. But I mean, there, you know, there are ways to anti-rush. I, I would say just find a couple of friends and um, you know, that are around your level and play with them and just say, hey guys, I, I want to try and get used to you know, this strategy with this race, let's say no rush for two minutes and see, you know, what okay. I can build to defend it and then rush me. Or let's say no rush at all for like five minutes or whatever, you know, 10 minutes. You know, it's like, it's like I'm really good with Protoss if I get that time to build up my my base and, and get to the higher tier. But, you know, like I said, they're, they're really susceptible to rush because people can just come in and stomp the poop out of you because they're, they're, Base level military units is pretty strong against ground, but they can't do anything against air. So, you know, if somebody rushes you with air, you're screwed. You're just going to be standing there going, oh, look at the pretty airplane shooting at us, and there's nothing we can do. So He's basically <laughs> yeah. talking about he wants to get this banshee out, but by the time he does, the army's so large that he's not even effective. So that's a good idea to give him a chance yeah. to work with his friends and try to try to come up with some strategies because apparently a lot of people have that issue. Each race has kind of multiple sort of stealthy strategies they can use. And if you heavily invest into it and, and the guy defends against it, you're, you're screwed because then you've heavily invested in this one direction. I suppose, you know, that could be said about any, any specific direction. But, you know, if, if they have a defense for it, it's kind of rock, paper, scissory. So, um, you know, if you, if you make, you know, one, one particular attack mode and that's it. Then, then you're screwed. Because I like stealth as well. And then when I play Terrans, I'll I'll typically go for a decent uh, decent smattering of ground guys. And then I'll I'll probably go for like he was mentioning the Banshee stealth. Um, I'll use the Hopper guys too for early early raiding. Um, they're they're a ground unit and they can they can run around and they hop and they're they're pretty good but they're they're not terribly uh, powerful in terms of defense. So if you can hop in with half a dozen of those guys, you can you can pretty much tear up his uh, his uh, economy pretty bad if he's not ready for it. But you know if he's ready for it, you're screwed because then then you've lost all this money in those units. And if you go stealth and uh, he can see you again, you're screwed. And stealth really only works for a sort of a, a brief a brief window because once they know you're stealthing. They can they can cover that real quickly, and that's part of why I play random is that you get that element of surprise. You don't know what I'm doing until I'm doing it. Okay. So or until the same you put kind your of thing. There. Yeah. Well, there's some there's some spies people never see. It's like if you're playing against like a like a, a guy like me or you know a, a lower rank player, they probably aren't going to check for spies in their base. So. As a Protoss player, what I'll typically do early on is I will I will build a, a stealth unit, but that stealth unit is also an observing unit. So what I'll do is I'll I'll 
toss a couple of those puppies out, drop it right in the middle of, the, of his base so I can see what he's doing. And if he starts to go anti-stealth, I can move it you know, out of range of him seeing. But if he doesn't, then I can just have it follow one of his units and I can see when he's, he's spreading out somewhere. So, hmm. so there, are, there are ways to sort of spy. I, I, I like to have my little spies if, if I'm Protoss. And it, that's not really anti-rush in itself. But it, it can give you an early warning because there's no way he knows that the spy is there. You know, it, if you're playing Terran, you got this ping and it does this little radar thing. It goes beep, 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 beep. And he knows. <laughs> okay. He knows, hey, 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 don't spy on me, man. But if you got that little Protoss observer, it's just a little dude in a ship going, hey, check it out. I can see them. They can't see me, you know. So okay. he's very good. Das Boot. <laughs> das Boot. <laughs> Good advice. Secret, secret. No one sees them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have an article. It's long, and I'm going to read it, and you have to listen to it. <laughs> uh, I think it'll be helpful, though, because I want to get your take on it afterwards. Oh, I, I was going to say, though, um, about your books and, and the, uh, the digital version of the books. Just think about, though, uh, people going on vacation. You know, they don't want to lug around. Five, even just five books. This, this what twenty, thirty pounds of books. Mm-hmm. So for them, for them, you know, digital's awesome. <laughs> I know, but uh, there's still the breakable concept as well. I mean, your books you can throw in your suitcase. So what? It's gonna ride well. You've got your your electronic, you know, Nook or your iPad or something, and you're not gonna throw that in your suitcase. I mean, you have to go through all these extra hoops just to get it safely there. I don't know. I feel like it balances out. I can throw five books in my suitcase, and they'll be just fine. Yeah. I think more people than not around here would would happily do so because they're they'd be like, oh, if it breaks, I'll just get a new version. Ha ha ha! No, 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 no. Okay, this is called "Confessions of a Homeless Gamer" by Fed Marco, and I think after this article, we'll t- tie in nicely to your blog and podcast, which I realize we haven't even addressed yet. See, I didn't even know somebody else did that. I figured I was probably the first guy who did it. Well, here you go. Um, this person says, Any of you that have been vicariously following my exploits through mentions in articles and weekend notes know that I've been on the move quite a bit recently. What may not be clear, however, is for the last five months I've been homeless. No, I'm not dragging my belongings around on a shopping cart and bathing in the local cafe bathroom sink, but I have not had an actual place of residence since August. At age 40, I certainly never thought I would find myself couch surfing again, and not for this extended amount of time. But this is what life has thrown at me, and so I'm adapting the best I can. I've been living out of three suitcases for a while now. Two contain my clothes and various knickknacks that make me feel a bit grounded. The third carries all three of my systems, their various controllers, wires, and some games. Now, some people would write this off as blatant idiocy, carrying around thousands of dollars worth of equipment and games from place to place as I travel. But seeing as I am a games journalist, these are the tools of my trade. My systems have accompanied me to such exotic locales as New Haven, Baltimore, Atlanta, and then made the cross-country in a U-Haul to San Francisco. Fortunately, my friends have been very accommodating of me and my technology, which you don't realize what a burden it can be until you're constantly changing passwords to get on new wireless networks, digging out old cables for your systems while the place you're staying doesn't have the right hookups, and I won't even go into what it's like trying to set up rock band in a tiny living room filled with my suitcases. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes on to talk about... uh, the setup that he had in Atlanta with the HDTV and surround sounds and all the things that he misses that he could have been uh, using right now. And he thinks he's probably the most technologically advanced homeless person in San Francisco. Oh, uh, God, no. 
you know you beat him out. <laughs> nah, well, well, not me, but I mean, I mean, you know, there's there's tons of homeless people around, and if he's talking about the Bay Area, California, um, I don't know. He has more game systems, but he wouldn't he wouldn't be the most technologically advanced. I mean. You know, everybody's got tech these days, especially around here. He goes on to talk about this incident where he ran into a waitress in Texas who was trying to acquire a Wii for her partially paralyzed son, and he thought about how easy it was for him to acquire his systems and how he may not have an apartment, but he probably had more electronic equipment in the back of his truck than this woman and her son had ever dreamed of. So he actually made it a mission to get them a Wii for Christmas and kind of put the word out to other people. That's cool. And ended up getting them kind of like a holiday wish granted. Which I thought was pretty neat that even though he was in that kind of situation where things were really changing for him and he, he didn't have a lot of his own, he was looking out for somebody else and, and got people together to kind of make her, her Christmas wish come true. So in that kind of spirit, I guess, I want to talk about the blog and the podcast that you're putting out because I'm interested in, in the fact that you're kind of as well in a situation like that but you're sharing things with people and, and creating, I guess, information out there for other people while you're in the middle of that. So can we talk about your, your blog first and then move on to the podcast? Well, like I said, I, I didn't know that anyone else had done this. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that, uh, that he did, especially these days. Uh, it, it seems like whenever I tell a stranger that I'm, that I'm homeless, they, they have a story about someone who's a family member who's, you know, lost, lost hours at work or they're homeless or whatever. Um, so it doesn't really surprise me, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I guess I just wanted to to put the story out there because it is something that um, I mean we hear about homeless people all the time, but I I think if you if you ask somebody what, what homelessness means to them, they would describe somebody who's you know basically a, a bum. I guess is the old school term. Mm-hmm. You know, people who don't have a car, they, they don't have a lot of clothes. You know, they've got you know three, three changes of clothes, but they're wearing them all at the same time. Right, and, shopping uh, cards. You know, they, yeah, yeah, shopping cards. They haven't, they haven't hat. showered in a while. Even even though things things like the '80s, back in the day, um, you know, when people were living in their cars because you know stocks or jobs just collapsed, and and it was a, a more well known thing that these these business guys or you know. Uh, white collar worker guys were were homeless. You know, I still think that people have this perception that you know homeless people are are crazy or need medication or they have you know that shopping cart like they said. And and so I just wanted to get that out there that says um I don't I don't know just just um pers- a different perspective I guess uh, that you know I am I am a regular person. I don't know. It's become less and less important in the, uh, the epic fail writings over the years, but. Um, I think it's just a position that, that people don't normally think about. I mean, back in the day when I was young, being a gamer, I was like saying, you know, I have the plague. You know, it's, it, <laughs> I'm infected uh, with the nerd gene. Yeah, it wasn't cool like it is today. I mean, today you can't you can't throw a bouncy ball in a room without hitting ten gamers. You know, it's it's <laughs> like people on people on campus here pretty much uh, you run a fifty fifty chance of them you know, being a, a gamer in in some way. So. Um, you know, it's certainly it's certainly more common now, but I I still think it it's a perspective and a uh, a lifestyle that uh, most people would not think that uh, a gamer could become homeless. But uh, I'm certainly not the only one, and 
I've I've known a few other homeless people in my times, and some of them have uh, been gamers. So I don't know. I, I just figure it's uh, it, it it might also be a, an audience that doesn't really pay attention to that kind of thing. I mean, we are probably for the most part a, a more generous uh, group of people. Um, there was actually an article not too long ago. I think it's probably a year or two ago where uh, somebody tried to rob. A, I think it was a bank or something. And a gamer uh, stopped the guy, and uh, they asked him, "What are you doing? What are you thinking? Are you insane?" And he's like, "Well, it, it seems like the right thing to do." And uh, you know, we we gamers are a little bit crazy, and but we're also, uh, you know, we're all, a little bit more selfless. For for speaking for myself, and the same kind of psychology backing as the guy in the article, that we are who we are at our core. It doesn't matter if we have you know one dollar in our pocket or you know a hundred million in our bank account. We, we still are who we are. I mean, there there have been times where people have asked me for money who are obviously in a, in a worse position than me. Um, just last year, even last summer, I was uh, running on five hours a week, and it's like, you know, people people who are obviously in worse positions than me, it's like, you know, I really don't know if I'm going to have enough food to get even one meal a day for me for the rest of the week, so I can't help you out. But, you know, in, in other times, and more often than not, I'll uh, you know I'll help them out. I give, give them a buck, even though I myself am am only averaging ten hours a week. You know it's obvious that I have more than they do, and it's obvious you know they're they are in the the bum category. Um, and you know I, I've helped other people out, so you know we are who we are at our core. I think, and uh, you know I just I just uh, with my with my blog uh, I wanted to to get the message out there that this can happen to people who are perceived. In a group of uh, regular people who who it couldn't happen to, and yet you know it it does it does happen. And um, I'm often surprised that a lot of the stuff well, that you talk about is like normal people stuff. I mean, I mean, yes, there's the homeless aspect, but feeling like you you know want more friends and feeling like you're lonely or you're sad that day or whatever is all I think feelings that regular people have, whether they're you know, super rich or not. I mean, I think gamers kind of have that in common in the sense that they're always reaching out to sort of connect with other people because they don't find that necessarily in their own, like, real face-to-face lives. Yeah, well, well, part of it, too, was that in the beginning, when I, when I thought it would only be, like, you know, three, six, nine months tops, it, it was going to be more like this, this funny, terrible, wonderful story of how I dealt with it and how I got out of it. And as things you know went on and on and on and more and more time passed it, it has become more of this how do you deal with life in general you know how precious life is and you know over the years i've had uh, probably a couple dozen different people tell me you know through reading my blog um they've gotten back in touch with people they hadn't seen in years or um somebody said that she had she had been fighting with her sister back in the day, and they hadn't talked in years. And she was, she'd always regretted that and felt sorry about it. And she read my blog, and she's like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm going to tell her that." And she did, and she found out that her sister had had felt the same. So they had been, you know, estranged. I guess is the the proper term for years. And um, they got back together, and she discovered that uh, you know they had both been feeling bad about it, but they were both too afraid to to tell each other. And it's like you know, so. So my blog has kind of changed over time to, to be just a reminder about um, 
you know, life is precious and it's important and don't let uh, people or things go that, um, that are important to you. Even, you know, there's a lot of things that happen that are really, really trivial. I mean, you know, you're getting a fight over something and it, it really doesn't matter, you know, but people get caught up in this day to day world and their, their focus, I guess, narrows and they just focus on right now what's happening this exact minute and they forget, you know, the bigger picture. And so, um, you know, I'm just kind of trying to remind people now, don't, don't lose track of that bigger picture, you know, because you never know. There was somebody on, on a, a forums that I'm, I'm part of for, for Warcraft. I haven't played in like a year, but, you know, I still go to their forums now and then. Uh, don't really know why, probably just to ramble about stuff. But it, one of their senior community members, uh, I guess it would be an official term, is, is everybody knew him. He died in uh, a bicycling accident. You know, like he's a uh, you know a manual bike person, mm-hmm. and I guess some some dude in a car just hit him, and he was dead just like that, gone. And so you know, one day he's talking on the forums like regular, and the next day people don't see him, and they don't see him, and then somebody notices his name in an article that he'd been killed, and uh, you never know when something like that could happen. So yeah, just just don't uh, don't let things slip away. You know. I, I actually talk about it in Epic Fail today or yesterday. Uh, how my my podcast was originally suggested to me back in the day, I think probably a year, year and a half ago away, somebody, they, they're like, you should do a podcast. And I'm like, oh, what? I, I don't even know what that is. So, um, you know, I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And it's like the Epic Fail writings already talk about my sad homeless life and how I'm dealing with that and will hopefully someday get out of it. But I didn't want the podcast to be about that. So the podcast is more about gaming in general, the you know, the psychology of being a gamer and uh you know how gaming affects your life and then the sociology of being you know within a, a group of people and then um sort of motivation behind why you're gaming and um what gaming means to you. And so that's that's more what the podcast is about. And my homelessness just right now, I see sort of as a filter okay. um, between me and those aspects. Whereas, you know, I wanted the podcast to be something if I enjoyed doing it, which which I do, I love it. It's very fun. Um, to be something that could last longer than I'm going to be homeless. You know, I still, like I said, it has been three years, but yes, I could see that. I, I mean, still it's hope not to, to get around, out of it soon. That, for sure. So. Yeah, so, so you know, someday, uh, you know, I could have friends again, and uh, you know, I could have love again, and uh, you know, God's willing, uh, if it, it's not too too much of an emotional drain on me, because I am too old now, is uh, to have kids, and those are those are all uh, you know different kinds of filters that would come along in my life, and and you know, alter how I how I view gaming and what gaming means to me, that um, you know, if the podcast was about being homeless, you know, I, I'm no longer homeless, I'd have to stop. That's you know, true. Whereas, whereas if I'm just talking about gaming and what gaming means to me and and the culture of gaming, that that's something that could conceivably change, you know, for the rest of my life. Good. Well, it seems like it has. You know, you were doing that before, and you're doing it after as well. So, is there anything you wanted to say about any of the topics we talked about, if you can remember them? <laughs> no, I, I'm rambling. I don't remember five minutes ago. I don't <laughs> okay. 
A thank you to Rabbit. You can find him on Facebook, which I will link on the site, or on iTunes as Rabbit's Ramblings. The way you spell rabbit for him is R-A-B-B-1-T instead of an I. So if you're looking for that on iTunes, check that out. I'd also like to say thank you to my sponsor, Maphook. If you'd like to support the podcast, please click on their icon on Genesee.com or join the Gray Area Podcast group on Maphook. You can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast or Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast or also on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, please email me your questions at geneseegray at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode. Are you recording? Are you recording? Are you recording? Yes. (laughs) Secret. I don't know what it's doing. Most people don't do major system software updates (laughs) while they're trying to record. It's a Windows thing. It made me do it. In Soviet Union, Windows updates you. (laughs) Okay.